Let's read this passage, Isaiah 53, starting in verse 4. We'll read 4 through 7. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the salvation that brings. We thank you for the hope and forgiveness and just the life that comes through Jesus Christ. I pray today, if there's someone here who has never really ever trusted Christ, that today they would start a new life with you by trusting in him. Speak to their heart today. Encourage those who know you, Lord, with the message of of your salvation. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today is the day we call Palm Sunday. It's, it's called that because um, a week before Jesus was crucified and then rose again, a week before he rose, he entered into Jerusalem and the cl- crowds were gathered around him and they were shouting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were throwing down their robes and palm branches down as he rode in to Jerusalem. They call it Christ's triumphal entry. He came in as Messiah, was recognized as the Messiah, and a week later, or by the end of the week, I should say, he was crucified. It begins what's called Holy Week. They call this week Holy Week because the gospel writers have written, they have chapters about Jesus's life on this earth, but they all rush, it seems like, to stop right here at this last week of Christ and detail day by day what happened to Christ, culminating in what we call Good Friday, where Jesus was uh, nailed to a cross and torturously and slowly died for you and me. But that story doesn't end there because next Sunday we will celebrate his life and, and how he rose again and, and the hope that that brings. But today we're, we, we're going to focus in on, on Christ's death because there is, there is power both in Christ's death and in his resurrection. Listen to how Romans says this. Romans 5.10 says this, For if... While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? 
And so here we see, and and Romans chapter 6 goes even deeper into the differences of Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection and how that impacts our salvation. But but for now, I just want to point out that it's Jesus' death that has reconciled us to God, and it's his resurrection that provides us eternal life and and life that that we have. And so there is this kind of difference. And today, we're going to take the Lord's Supper, and that's a celebration of the Lord's death, which is strange to our ears, to, to celebrate somebody dying, to be happy about it, and to be, be joyous about it. But we, we spend the time today thinking about that. The suffering of Jesus and his death that led to the redemption of all mankind. Not that they're all redeemed, but they all, everyone has the opportunity to be redeemed. So the resurrection season, we call it Easter, but there's resurrection day. And, and today, it's, it's all about life, the, the source of all life, dying, and then coming to life again. It's about God who lived in heaven for all eternity, leaving heaven, coming to walk on earth, only to return back to heaven again. It's about the ultimate victory in in all things, submitting to defeat, or what seemed to be defeat, only to be victorious again. And we could go on and on of the, of the images, but one of, the, I think, the, the interesting images that I want to talk about today, it's, it's the story about a shepherd who became a lamb, who became a shepherd again. And I thought that was just an interesting picture of what Christ did. And so let's, it's kind of weird, it's kind of strange to, to see that, but let's try to make some sense out of that. And so as we look, I want to first have you remember or turn to Psalm 23.1 because we can see there that Jesus is the shepherd who rescues us. Jesus is the shepherd who rescues us. Psalm 23.1 says, and, and you know it by the King James Version, probably my version, I, I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. We, we hear it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the way we know it, probably. We love that King James Version on that. But the whole psalm is a picture of how God is our shepherd. He leads us to green pastures and leads me beside still waters. His rod and his staff comfort me. It's a picture of a shepherd leading the lamb. One of the most common ways God is described in the Old Testament is that of shepherd. He is the shepherd. Listen to some of these verses that, that indicate that. Psalm 79, 13. It'll be up on the board. You can write it down, look at it later. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever. We'll declare your praise to generation after generation. It is the, 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 the God's people were saying, we are your sheep, and thus he is the shepherd. Psalm 80, verse 1 is more, more direct. Listen, it says, shepherd of Israel who leads Joseph like a flock. You who sit enthroned on the cherub rise up. God is the shepherd of his people. Psalm 95, 7, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep 
under his care. Now those psalms there were not written by David, but a lot of the psalms were that talk about God being a shepherd. And you can imagine David sitting out there watching all kinds of sheep and spending hour after hour after hour there thinking. And at some point in time he said, you know what? God is a lot like a shepherd, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's probably thinking about that and he's saying, you know, there's no flock that is ever out there without the careful gaze of of the shepherd. And there were no walls and there were no fences at the time. And, and the shepherd had to always watch for the straying sheep because sheep tend to stray. And he said, you know, that there's these, these wolves and, and lions that are running around trying to eat these lambs and I've got to protect them. And when they hurt themselves, someone's got to help them and, and, and heal them and take care of them and lead them to where they need to eat and lead them where they need to, to, to get water. And when they wandered, the shepherd had to go find them. And when they were hurt, he healed them. And God, David probably said, is a lot like a shepherd because we're like that. And so if Jesus is the shepherd who rescues and God is thought of in, in the Old Testament, the Father is thought of much like a shepherd, the implication of that, step, that, that statement is we, we are the sheep, right? Human are a whole lot like sheep. I mean, it's my understanding sheep aren't all that bright. I don't, I don't know. But when there's water there and someone's got to show them where the water is at that's something that needs to that needs to happen or show them where to get green pasture other animals just somehow know someone needs to guard them they are utterly helpless and so when they're attacked someone needs to help them ancient shepherds knew their sheep by name and if there was a couple of herds that were together two shepherds could call their sheep at the same time and those sheep knew their shepherd's voice and they would go to their own shepherd because they were just so familiar with their shepherd the scripture indicates God is like a shepherd, and that means we are like sheep, and you can make all the necessary <laughs> correlations you want to. Spiritually speaking, sometimes we're not all that bright. We're just not. We make poor decisions a lot of the times, and we wander, and we say, I know there might be water over there, and God's directing me over there, but I really think this looks good over here and it's a dangerous place. We need someone to protect us because there's an enemy that walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour, and we need a shepherd. And we get hurt. And in the passage I read from Isaiah today, that's what it says. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way. There isn't anyone here at some point in time in their life said, I know that's the way God wants me to do, but I'm going to go this way, just like a sheep. And since we're all like sheep, it can go without saying that we need a shepherd. Every person needs a shepherd. And if we're spiritually like sheep, we need someone to shepherd us. So it's no surprise in John chapter 10, where Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11, 
I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If a lion's coming, I will stand between me and the sheep and I will take the brunt of the lion's attack. And Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. He goes on in John chapter 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then later in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, listen, and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He says, He's the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And we need, we need that. We need a shepherd, someone who knows the grief and the pain and the loneliness that comes from simply being a human. That we have those pains. And the scripture says that we have a priest who's able to sympathize with us because God became human and he was fully God and fully man. So he understands what it means to be a human. We need somebody who doesn't drive us. You know, the picture of God is not a cowboy who is behind the cattle, whooping and hollering and snapping a whip, driving them out of fear. It is the picture of a shepherd who gently leads his, his sheep. And that's the picture, uh, the picture the Scripture has of God. We need someone who doesn't look down on us when we get lost, but someone who looks for us when we get lost. We need someone that when we're injured or hurt or, or gone astray or when we're lagging behind, they don't, he doesn't scold us, but instead picks us up and carries us near to our heart. We need a shepherd. We need someone to shepherd us. I read a story from the Chicago Tribune and from, from February 1995. It was about a Detroit bus driver who was driving his bus home from the terminal and uh, took a wrong turn. He was supposed to show up at 719 at the terminal, and, and after he didn't show up, after, I don't know, however long, his supervisors realized something was wrong, so they started looking for him. And his wife called up the terminal and said, hey, uh, my husband's on some medication that might make him disoriented. And so for six hours, the 40-foot bus and the driver were lost. You would think you could find a 40-foot bus. And they looked and they looked and they could not find this bus. They found him six hours later, 200 miles northwest of Detroit, traveling down a two-lane rural road, kind of weaving back and forth. And he kept chugging along. And in those, the police, the state patrol saw him and, and turned on the lights and they pulled him over. And he... Uh, he, he uh, admitted he was lost, which is you know, quite a feat for a male driver, but he, was, he, he said, okay, I might have made a wrong turn. The police news release, the, the news release said this, the driver had no idea where he was and agreed he had make a wrong turn somewhere. Apparently this had not occurred to him during the four hours he drove without finding the bus depot. Now you would think, 
that a guy driving a 40-foot bus for four hours just trying to find some place would, I don't know, stop, call the, call the terminal, stop and ask for directions, make a U-turn, something. But his plan was, nope, I'm going the wrong way, but if I keep going, something different's going to happen. And man, if that doesn't speak about us spiritually, I don't know what does. Because there's times in life we take a wrong turn and we're going the wrong way and we, all of a sudden something occurs to us. Maybe things aren't working right. I'm going the wrong way. But um, I think I'll keep trying it this way <laughs> instead of stopping and turning around and, and letting the shepherd find us. We keep going and going the wrong direction. But we need a shepherd, someone who looks for his sheep. And maybe you've had a time in your life where you've made the wrong turn. Maybe you're still on that path wandering down the wrong road that you never should have been on, and you're not sure how to get back. And I want to assure you today that Jesus is looking for you. He is the good shepherd, and he wants you back. He is a shepherd who looks for lost sheep and he finds them and he rescues them and he brings them back home. He is the, he is the shepherd who rescues us. And so if you're a lost lamb today, remember he's the shepherd who rescues us. But then also he's the shepherd who became a lamb. He is, he is the lamb who redeems. He's a shepherd, but he's a lamb. We read this passage in Isaiah. I'm going to read it again. We're going to hear it several times today. Yet he himself, Isaiah 53, 4, yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains, but we in turn regard him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. He was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. See that? Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. The shepherd became a lamb and he had to for us hebrews 9 22 says this according to the law almost everything is purified with blood listen and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness the shepherd would take his lamb to the temple And he would put his hands on the head of that lamb and put all his weight on that lamb and he would confess his sins, the ways that he broke God's law, the way, the the, the things that he did, the things he didn't do, the things he thought that he shouldn't have. And he's confessing his sins to, uh, to God, but he's laying them on this lamb. And then the lamb was taken and was killed and his blood flowed out. And the, the principle of substitution was, was brought into play. That something could die for someone else. This sacrifice would, would really never do a complete work. It was an animal for a human life. But the principle of substitution was at work. The innocent lamb died for the guilty human. 
And so now we understand that Jesus is that lamb. Jesus is the lamb. When Jesus was going to be baptized, John the baptizer saw him and pointed and he said in, in John one twenty nine, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And 1 Corinthians 5.7 directly says, Christ is our Passover Lamb. And that's exactly what he prophesied again in this passage. Bear with me. I need to read it again so we get it. Isaiah 4. He himself bore our sicknesses. You see, it's the, it's the transferring, it's the confessing of sin, so to speak. He himself bore our sicknesses, our soul sickness. He carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. He was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, but he didn't open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. We were the ones who were spiritually sick. And, and Jesus bore our spiritual sickness. We were the ones who transgressed God's law, and he, his hands and his feet were pierced because of that. We were the ones who went astray like sheep, and Jesus took the punishment of that rebellion on himself. He became the lamb that was led to the slaughter. The passage here in Isaiah that we read the reason we read it so much, because it's the principle of substitution. The shepherd who should have been punishing the rebellious lambs became the lamb and took the punishment that they deserved. That is the story of the gospel. So in short, what we can say is that Jesus gives his life. Jesus gives his life for us. What we call Good Friday we call it Good Friday because it's the day that Jesus was unfairly tried, was beaten, was taken and whipped 39 times with something called the Cat of Nine Tails, which was a brutal torture device and killed most men at that. Carried his cross to a hill, was nailed to a cross then hiked up onto that cross and was left there for hours to slowly and torturously die for you and me because our sins were laid upon him. So when Isaiah 53 says he was pierced because of our transgressions, he was crushed because of our iniquities, the punishment of our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. It's talking about the substitutionary lamb taking our sin. The bread of life dies. The victorious God is crucified. 
the Savior of the world, slowly dies on a cross. The shepherd becomes the sacrificial lamb. And in verse 7, the lamb that's used here, it's, it's, it's a word that means little pet lamb. It's the kind of lamb no one really wants to kill anyway because it's that cute little pet. And Jesus is like the little, innocent, spotless pet lamb that takes our place on the cross. And his blood was spilled out so that we could have forgiveness. We're, we're going to have evangelism training here in, in May. And we're going to help people maybe figure out a way to share their faith better. And one of the, the pictures that we learn is talking about the, the record book of sin. And so I have this, uh, this book here. And this book is going to represent my sin. Now, this, this, if it represented my sin, this would be volume one of about 30,000. I don't know. It would just be... It's much greater, you know. But here am I, and there's my sin. And this is everything I've ever done wrong, everything I've thought wrong, everything that I should have done but didn't do, everything that might be considered sin weighs me down. And I'm here trying to get to God, and that sin is blocking my relationship with God. And man, I try to do all kinds of things. I might try to turn my life around, does nothing for my sin. I try to turn over a new leaf, and nothing happens. I try all kinds of ways, but I cannot get rid of my sin. There's nothing I can do to do it. And God sent Jesus down to walk on earth as a man. And Isaiah five, or Isaiah 6 here says, We all went astray like sheep. We've all turned our own way. And it says, The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's what God did. He took all my sin, all my past sin, my present sin, my future sin, everything about me that is against God, he placed on Christ and then killed Christ. And Christ died and took care of that sin. He was buried and he rose again up into heaven. He died to pay the penalty for my sin. He rose to purchase a place in heaven for us. And now if I want to have a relationship with God, that sin has been dealt with. And I have the ability to come in relationship with God if I just accept the free gift of forgiveness that God gave me. That's the story of the Lamb. By dying on the cross for our sins, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, and now we can, we can proclaim Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ we, we are no longer, there's no condemnation waiting for us if we've trusted in him. If we just offer, the, uh, and if we receive the gift of forgiveness, if we trust, instead of trusting what we can do with our sin and trying to have our good outweigh our bad, which is what most people in this world try to do. They say, I'm just trying to do more good than my bad, but they don't understand the depth of sin because no good could outdo it. Only Christ, only laying it on Christ and having him deal with it. And when you trust in what Christ did on the cross, that's what brings forgiveness. He is the shepherd who rescues, but he is the lamb who redeems us and, and then 
he turns back into a shepherd again, we see that he is the shepherd who reigns. Look in verse, uh, chapter 7 of Revelation, last book of the Bible. Turn to chapter 7, Revelation 7, starting to verse 14. Kind of in the middle of 14. He's being asked, do you know what this is, who these people are? He says, sir, you know when he told me. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his sanctuary. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So when we're celebrating the death of Christ today, the good news is that he didn't stay on the cross. Our, our cross is empty because our hope is found in the resurrection of Jesus. That yes, he died on the cross, but that's not the end of the story. That he was buried, he rose again, and now he reigns in, in the heavens. We're on the right hand of God. And John gives this picture here of the shepherd who became a lamb becomes a shepherd again. And we see here in verse, verse 14 and 15 that, that the shepherd will make us holy. He gives this picture of the people who have, who have been saved. Out, I mean, they, they, it's from the great tribulation and these people who are God's, God's people, the saints are worshiping at the presence of of the Savior in heaven. And he says they've been washed pure by the blood of the Lamb. They've been washed white. It's a picture of holiness. These people are holy because of the blood of the Lamb. And now they are in heaven and they are serving him and worshiping him forevermore in God's presence. That's the hope that we have. He makes, the shepherd will make us holy. It says in verse 15, they'll serve him day and night and, and in his sanctuary, they'll be in his presence. Before, before Christ, we couldn't stand in God's presence. Sin kept us from being in God's presence. But when you're washed with the blood of the Lamb, God looks down upon you and says, His sins have been paid for by my sacrificial Lamb, my Son, the one I love. And we can stand in His presence. The Lamb's blood has made us holy, but also, I mean, the shepherd made us holy, but the shepherd also will lead us home. I love what it says in verse 17. The lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. The lamb is a shepherd. It makes no sense. <laughs> but, but that's the picture that they give. There'll be eternal green pastures and there'll be sides, still waters, it says, or living waters that will be home. It's the idea that we're going to no longer experience hurt or need or problems in heaven. Listen, just this side of reality, and I don't know how to explain it, but just like here on this other side of reality, we can't sense it, but it's, it's this other 
reality that's more real than this reality. It's the really real of life is this reality of the spirit realm where those who have trusted in Christ live and, and serve God. And those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb will live there and there'll be no more sorrow. And there'll be no more disappointments and no more losses. There'll be no more funerals, right? There'll be, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more scars, no more guilt, no more cancer. No more pains, no more hate, no more violence, no more sin. It'll be home. It'll be perfection. And those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb who have trusted in Christ to take care of their sins and trust in Him for salvation will spend eternity there and reign with the Good Shepherd. In February 1941 in Auschwitz, Poland, Maximilian Kolbe was a Franciscan priest. And he was put in that prison because he was helping Jews escape the Nazis. And they were in this camp, and, it, and desperation began to set in, and uh, there was a group that tried to escape. And they were caught. And so the camp rule was enforced. If someone escaped, they would call 10 people at random to be sent into a cell to sit there and die of starvation and exposure. That was the penalty of someone escaping. And so they called out 10 people at random, and, and a Polish Jew by the name of Frandeszek Gasanovchek, he was called. And he said, wait, don't take me. I've got a wife, I've got children, please don't take me. And so Maximilian Kolba stood up, who was a priest. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have children. He stood up and he said, I will go in his place. And so Kolba and nine others went into the cell and they, they stayed in the cell. And on August 14th, Kolba passed away. That's six months later in this cell. And this story was chronicled uh, on NBC News. Um, it was on several, several years ago. And Gasanovchek, he was 82 at the time, and he was telling the story, and you could imagine tears were just running down his face. You knew he was really uh, moved by this, and the, and the camera followed him around to the back of his house where there was a monument there, uh, uh, some sort of marble monument that was carefully tended with flowers, and it said this, in memory of Maximilian Kolbe, he died in my place. And every day Gasanovchek lived after 1941, he lived with the knowledge, I live because someone died for me. And that's the amazing story of what our good shepherd did for us. When you've trusted in Christ... Every day you live after that, you live with the knowledge that I live because someone died for me. And it should, it should move us. And it should cause us to live in joy in our salvation. To follow our shepherd.
Because Jesus, what he did, it was even greater than what Max Kolba did because he came and he says, I will stand in their place. And when he stood in their place, he took the punishment and died for the sins of every single person in the world so that everyone has the opportunity to come to God if they just trust in him. And he did this because the shepherd became a lamb and now is a shepherd again reigning. So my question is, have you received the free gift of forgiveness today? Are you trusting in your work to take care of your sins? Your sins are like this book, and they are weighing you down, and you're trying to do everything you can with your life, turning a new page in your life, I don't know, whatever you're trying to do, and you just can't deal with it. Are you trusting in that, or are you trusting that Jesus took your sin? And there's nothing I can do. He took it and he died and rose again to, be, to, to deal with our sin. And if we trust in him, he can be free. Is that what you're trusting in? If you're trusting in Christ, you can have freedom and forgiveness in eternal life. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And Lord, I ask that if you would work in our hearts. Lord, the, the sacrifice Christ paid is more than we can fathom. We can't say thank you enough. Lord, for those who don't know you today, I pray that they would understand that someone died in their place so that they could live and they don't have to struggle in their sin. They don't have to wander around in life hoping to find you, that they can turn to you. You are the good shepherd who is seeking his sheep and wants to bring them home. I pray that they would find you and trust you today. Lord, if there's a believer today that needs encouragement, I pray that you would encourage their heart and let them know that you love them that you have forgiven them, and there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would work in our hearts the way you want to work, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.